0: Hey. Today my guest is Assistant Program Manager for Food Safety and Lodging, Adam Inman. He's with the Kansas Department of Agriculture, and we're talking about food safety education and some of the things that are be done, being done in his organization. And Adam, I really appreciate you being with us today and look forward to hearing what you think about food safety and food safety education
1: appreciate the opportunity
0: so let's talk about why you think food safety is important to begin with
1: well I I don't know I don't want to make light of this question but I think most of us like food and I think probably all of us hate being sick so I think it just kind of goes together and it's it's so important to have safe food it's sort of a I think a basic thing that, that especially in America we've come to expect And we don't always realize all that goes into making sure that that there's enough food and that it's safe food. So I think it is super important.
0: So you you nodded to something in your answer that talks about the fact that we've come to expect it. Um, Do you find that sometimes people are surprised when there is a problem with their food and and that it's somehow been compromised, that they're surprised that there could be something even that they've done that would cause that?
1: Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, of course, it's always a problem with misattribution of, of an illness related to food especially, but folks will, will all the time, they'll, they'll think it's, it's something that they've done out and not recognizing that some of the practices or a lot of the practices that they do at home may contribute as well. But yeah, I think we've we've really come to expect safe food. I've just finished reading the the Poison Squad book and just so impactful of where we came from and how I don't want to go back to that. You know, we've we've got new challenges, but I don't want to add some of the old challenges back in and it's really important for us to stay vigilant and and understanding why a lot of what we do exists and it's because it was so bad back in the day and, and there's room for improvement, but I think we're at a pretty good baseline. and I really don't want to go backwards on that.
0: Yeah, that's a great book. I love that book. I enjoyed it very much. And um, it, it, it's, when you read it, it's a little bit scary about um, how we got to where we are today. But mm-hmm. um, so how has food safety changed? And what are you doing different to keep those consumers informed?
1: Right, so there's obviously a lot of emerging threats that have, that we've come to, to recognize in the past couple of decades, so that's a challenge. Always folks are pushing the envelopes in the culinary side, and a lot of times it, that, that brings us challenges of, of, are there unintended consequences, are there risks that, that we don't want to have, that we aren't going to accept, and You know, television, media, all those things have changed so dramatically. So the way people get their information, uh, maybe a level of trust or lack of trust with with regulatory entities and some of the institutions of where do do people trust the information that they get it, where do they get it from and what level of trust is it? And they're going to be accepting of a personality on television or a friend on social media, maybe before uh, someone in academia or someone with the government. And so I think that's a challenge. How do we how do we stay relevant on saying this is this is what the science is saying, this is the risk, this is the perspective, and maybe you need to make some decisions, but this behavior is risky. So just cutting through that static of the changing landscape of, of how information is received by consumers, it's it's a huge challenge.
0: So consumers, as you mentioned, are often influenced by people who are less than knowledgeable. What have you done to meet consumers where they are? How, how have you um, developed programming that, that maybe meets them in that space?
1: Well, one of the primary challenges that we're trying to address and that we're, we're, we've been able to make some roads, inroads with, is language barriers. And mm-hmm. a lot of non, non-native English yes. speakers or they don't speak any English. How do we reach them? So maybe the media that we're using isn't where we want it to be, but we're we're able to get a lot of the our traditional media our handouts and booklets into into uh, Mandarin and into Spanish so we're trying to cover some of those bases that are you know high volume but the next frontier, I think, for us and one of our biggest challenges is how do we get resources to get into video that we can put onto social media or put onto our websites? How do we get into other, other avenues to educate consumers as well as, as uh, particularly we're, we're tasked with educating our operators? So get in those relevant to, to your line level food worker, to your managers in, in, their, in a way that's going to be relevant for them.
0: And I'm assuming you also have to consider that they may not have the time to dedicate, so you have to make it kind of an urgent thing for those operators?
1: Right. I think it has to be just in time. It's got to be focused on what the issue is at hand, and it has to be in a in a format that they can digest, so chunks. And they, they talk about the changing attention span in... <laughs> humans lately and they say what it's like less than eight seconds now yes so trying to get cut through that all those barriers is is a big challenge especially when you're talking about um, a a government program and the resource it's resource at the level like we are you really have to be creative and try to to carve out what you can and to leverage partnerships to try to meet those challenges
0: so when you look at the work you've done in the state of Kansas, what is one success that you can point to that you're proud of?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. One of the things that, that's hard to do is to, to celebrate your own successes because it just feels kind of our Kansas ethic of feels like you're bragging, and, and so that's a challenge. But being able to, to support some colleagues, um, Autumn Schick, I work with uh, really taken on, had a part opportunity to partner with with um, the Confucius Institute at Kansas State University and was able to leverage that to get our Mandarin translations for a lot of our materials. So I think that's been a big success and um, just trying to, to to support that and to bring up other people to be able to for them to expand on their ideas and bring their energies and passion towards certain ideas. Um, personally, it's not necessarily directly for Kansas, but it's taken that Kansas perspective and trying to get it out there to the broader national perspective. And uh, submitting 15 issues to the Conference for Food Protection over the years has been, um, it's been, I'm proud of that, taking that on. I had a few that were accepted readily and that really felt good. And I've had some where it, it really hurt to stand up there in front of the the council and, and just get beaten up. But I think it, it kept some conversations going or started some conversations and I've learned a lot from that. And I think so that personally, that's been something I'm proud of is working with the conference for food protection and, and trying to drive um, improvements as we all try to get better um, across the board there.
0: Well, there is no such thing as really bragging because everybody who's listening is hoping they can learn from whatever worked for you or didn't work for you because they don't want, really want to make the same mistake, I think. And um, so when you have programs like your, your translation program and um, you're, you're submitting topics, um, people have an opportunity to learn from you about how they might do it. So when you talk about those things, what parts of that worked, and how did you? Um, what are some things you might tell people um, about your approach?
1: Yeah, well, it's been said many times that failure is a great teacher. So yeah. I've had uh, I've had a lot of great teachers over the years, but no. So that's one of the, the things I think you can really learn from. So for example, take the issues with Conference for Food Protection is really about reaching out to your colleagues and your peers and saying, hey, I have this issue. What do you guys think of it? And being able to get that other perspective, folks that have great experience with the Conference of Food Protection, for example, can tell you about, well, here's, here's some history on that that you might not be aware of, or here's how you might word it to get this thing, this desired outcome going. So really relying on your network. And I think that's a big, big takeaway. As far as the language goes, that it's just depends on your landscape at your jurisdiction or or wherever you are. We've had to work through quite a few barriers to be able to get things translated. And you have to be careful that you don't say the wrong things in a translation. And like Google just came out with their advice. Don't rely on Google translate. Right. You know, if it's really important. And it's it says, how do you find these these resources that are credible and, you know, make a good a good effort in improving things? And so reaching out across, again, with your network, with your people, making those connections. What what other jurisdiction has a resource that maybe will fit your need that you can just that you can borrow, beg or steal and. Give credit where credit's due, but be able to use it for your purposes, or at least build off of it and collaborate with folks. And um, it's kind of it's kind of cliche, but I think better together is a theme that I've really embraced. So,
0: it sounds to me like partnerships has been a real key for you. And were some of those partnerships kind of surprises where you found what you needed?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you you might have an interaction with a person and initially you feel that there's, you know, it just wasn't clicking, but then as you as you stay engaged with that and you end up building that connection, then it can be one of your strongest uh, resources. So yeah, just being open to to that relational aspect of of it. I think the peoples is so important.
0: And it sounds to me like you've recognized that what may work somewhere else may not work in Kansas. We always say you're not in Kansas anymore as a joke, but, um, you know, that, that you, there are cultural differences, even state state to state. Is that right?
1: Well, there can be, you know, that there's that, that phrase that gets thrown about a lot of or national meetings of if you've seen one program, you've seen one program, but there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that cut across the baseline. And so you might not be able to use the whole thing, but it's usually easier to, to tweak something than to build it from scratch. So I always say you always have to see what's out there because it might just spark an idea or you might be able to to run with it, but it's, it's probably going to be better than if you just stayed in your own, little program area and went by yourself.
0: So when you learned about other programs, how did you do that? What resources have you used to find other programs you could build on?
1: Yeah, well, shameless AFTO plug, but has <laughs> um, of course, been been huge in, in that endeavor. But all of the organizations, anything that you get together, Conference, for, conference for Free Protection, the FDA retail seminars, the Manufactured Food Program Regulatory Manufactured Food Regulatory Program Alliance, all these, any anywhere that you can can leverage getting together with with other folks, is you just got to latch onto that opportunity and and take it.
0: So, um, if you had a crystal ball. What would yours say about the future of food safety, especially in the area you serve?
1: So one of the things we've been really chasing is is data. And I think in the next few years, we're really going to see some big breakthroughs, if it's through the National Food Safety Data Exchange, if it's from some other things. Uh, I know industries out there and just collecting just tons and tons of data. And if we're able to to really get that together with with folks who are able to put it in a format that we can use. I think we're going to see a lot of insights on how we can capture and really check some boxes on some big, big ticket items on foodborne illness. And that's ultimately going to lead to being able to resource inspectors and public health folks that are working on a day-to-day basis, we're going to resource them with really focused tools that are going to have a major impact on reducing foodborne illness burden. So I think, data is going to be really big. Um, if it's blockchain with traceability, if it's just mining all the data that's out there from all the jurisdictions across the country at retail, I think that's going to be big. And I think um, that's going to be one, one thing that's going to be super impactful. I also think we're going to see continued inroads on reaching consumers, kids as they grow up, you know, get, get them on board with food safety and being able to resource a, a bunch of other educational outlets to move the, the needle on food safety and actually make some big gains on it.
0: So, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wished I had?
1: Yeah, I think you, I wish you'd ask me if I have any music that's about to drop. And I think, you know, one of my passions is music, and another passion is, of course, food safety, food protection. And so I've been working over the years, and sometimes, you know, I used to think it's got to be now, right? But the older I get, the more patient I, I tend to get which is good and bad, but finally at a point where we're ready to, I think, make some inroads on my own budding food safety music career. And I think this is actually going to be one of the tools I think has some some potential to reach, like, say, a frontline food worker who's maybe, uh, you know, in high school or just out of college or in college. And if they're singing a song that tells them what they're supposed to be doing, from food safety standpoint, I'm going to co-opt the popular culture and try to get get things going there. So, like, I've got a one that I'm working on. It's it's Old Town Road, and it's about hand washing. And I think it's going to be a little better than singing your ABCs twice during hand washing. I'm hopeful, cautiously optimistic, but I think that that song, and I got some others cooking, and hopefully, and you know, talking about resources. Um, anybody that might be listening. That has particular uh, abilities in in recording or in performing. Love to to collaborate and and be a fun little project that I think might have some some good imp- impact with food safety.
0: I think that sounds like lots of fun, and and I wish I had some musical talent, but I don't. <laughs> but that's awesome. Um, so, how would people get a hold of you if they wanted to? share ideas, or piggyback on what you're talking about?
1: Well, I think I'm in the directory of state and local officials that AFTO has, but um, my email is adam.inman at gov, and I, I say I have the world's hardest easy last name, and it's I-N-M-A-N, so like the word N and the word man, and so adam.inman at is probably the the easiest way to get a hold of me.
0: And in the subject line, should they say I've got a talent that I'd like to share oh. with you?
1: <laughs> oh, that would definitely cut through the static. Yes. I can but, imagine.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. When are you thinking of rolling that out in the near future?
1: Yeah. I'm looking at the timeline. I'm, I think I, sometimes you have to set artificial deadlines, right? right. So
0: Milestones. I'm
1: thinking, yeah, set a milestone, set a goal. So I'm hoping to have that out by the Conference for Food Protection next spring. And we'll see how that goes.
0: Well, that's very exciting, Adam. I really appreciate your time today. And I hope that our listeners will take some time to reach out if they've heard something here that they'd like to know more about. And I appreciate your taking the time to share.
1: Well, thank you, Brooke. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Okay, thanks, Adam.